We live with these mindsets or beliefs that are limiting us, that are causing the outcomes, the behaviors that we're in that we don't like for so long that we start calling them normal. And when we start calling these things normal, we don't realize that there's something else. Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Today, we are joined by Rick Torson, and this is a really extra special guest for me because um, not only is it somebody that I have known and worked with in my adult life and career, but Rick was actually my youth minister uh, when I was in junior high. So we have a lot of history. Um, I know quite a bit about his story, but not all the twists and turns that it took. So today we will bring you a lot of good insight and valuable practical tips and tools that you can take away when you're thinking about leaning into your purpose and passion, working on your mindset, figuring out what's the right thing for your life and career to bring you the ultimate happiness. Because that at the end of the day, friends, is what everybody deserves, what we all need to work towards to have a great life. So welcome, Rick. For the people listening in who probably don't know you the way I do, I would love for you to give us an introduction about you. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where are you now? Let's dive right in to how did Rick get to be Rick? Awesome. Well, we've got to clarify something right up front. I started youth ministry when I was 14 years old. So if any of our your listeners are watching this as well, you know, the age doesn't do justice with me being your youth director back when you were, you know, a teenager. So yeah, no, that's so. right. Because Rick is actually only 40. Yeah. Uh, yeah and I'm you just, can tell yeah. by, if you see him, 40, you can, like you, you'll know that. Yeah. I'll receive 40. Yes, I will. So how did I get <laughs> hey, here? Hey, Rick, that's true. Well, let's not start by lying to your audiences. I'm, I'm a doorstep. No, it's away true from, that you look like you're 40. Oh, thank you. I'll take Yes, I'll take that, that part is true. Yeah. Well, I'm about to celebrate a birthday. I'm, I'm knocking on 60s door. So I'm not knocking on heaven's door. I'm knocking on 60s door. But see, I got that old reference too. So anyways, well, listen, I am I am in Pasadena, Texas, Pasadena, get down, Texas, where you and I first connected uh, at, at the church doing ministry. I chased a girl down here. So that was, let's see, I celebrated my 32nd wedding anniversary, December 29th. And so we've been married 32 years. I've been in Texas for 35 years. I chased her down here from the Midwest. So all my family's Midwest were Wisconsin, Illinois, went to college in Iowa, met my wife in Indiana. She was from Pasadena. She intrigued me. And so I chased her down here, packed up my car and ended up in Houston, Texas. And 35 years later, I'm still here and we're still married. So that that's kind of how I got here. Well, I would like to pause there because that actually is something I don't know fully. So where and how exactly did you guys meet? So we, I graduated college and I started working for my college fraternity. So I was, I was a, they called them uh, associate directors of chapter services and leadership consultants. So I traveled the country from college to college, 
carrying on my college life for just a few more years. Um, and she was a chapter consultant for a sorority in Indiana because of the tax laws and the nonprofits. There was a fraternity Greek row that sorority headquarters and fraternity headquarters were all on the same street. You can imagine how college life got carried on into our post-college life as newly graduates. And so we met uh, in our traveling years through the sorority she was a part of and the fraternity as a part of his consultants. And she finished up as I was getting started. And so she came back down to, t- to Texas, to Pasadena, start working in the family business. And we just carried on conversations over the phone, long distance. She kept showing up in Indiana for strange reasons that she said work. And later I found out she was actually showing up to hang out with me. Um, I was very naive uh, at the time and she was fishing. And so she hooked into me and uh, within two years, I actually gave my life to the Lord and uh, we got engaged and got married. <laughs> so it was a quick, fast ride. Uh, and that, that's how we met. That's how I got down here. And then how I got into ministry, which is where you and I first connected when you were in, in the youth group, is I came down here as an educator, a teacher and a coach, coached basketball, taught at high school. And, and then uh, it's just a funny story. Her dad um, has a business, been in business for 50 years here in the Pasadena area. And he challenged me when I first moved down here. Uh, he said, if you want a relationship with my daughter, you need to get a relationship with the Lord. And I was like, the Lord, (laughs) I am the Lord. You're laughing, but I mean, that's really what I thought. I was like, I do not know this Lord, but if I have to go meet the Lord to get together with your daughter, I will pursue that. And it sounds kind of silly, but that's exactly what happened. And so I told him I would commit to discovery and uh, started playing basketball with the youth director at the church. And after we got done playing basketball in these leagues, he would, uh, he and I would sit in the parking lot and talk for hours about faith and God. And I'd never stepped foot in a church. I was 25 when I moved down here. I'd never stepped foot in a church um, until that time. So that was the farthest thing from my mind. But long story short, with that, uh, I, I got to, okay, sorry, I got to tell you another funny story. Well, God always has a plan for you, though. Well, so, but I didn't know that at the time. So I had my own plans. Right. I had I was my own sitting on the throne. I really was a very independent, strong willed. I raised myself kind of thing um, with my background, with my single mom's grandmother, you know, the whole thing. And so I was very independent. But this girl, Melinda, my my now wife, intrigued me. She was older. She didn't take my BS. I couldn't I couldn't play the games I played with typical young ladies when I was in my 20s. And so I had to figure out why she was so different. So anyway, so we're, we're talking, me and this guy playing basketball, this guy, his name was Bud, Bud Miller. They called him two beers. <clears throat> so I'll let you guys work on that one. And, uh, and so I told him, I'd talk to him about faith in God, but he had to answer one question first. And he said, sure. What was the question? I asked him, this is honest to goodness truth. I said, you got to tell me how a guy can live in the belly of a whale. If you can tell me how a guy can live in the belly of the whale, then I'll talk to you about all this Jesus stuff. And he laughed at me and I was like, you're laughing, but I'm serious. I knew like two stories from the Bible. I knew about Moses because of Easter and all the stuff there, 10 commandments. And I knew about Jonah and this guy living in a whale and I couldn't get past that. And so he said, I will help you get to that, but let me start somewhere else. And so we started our conversation in a different location and eventually got to the point where I wasn't as worried about how a guy lived in the belly of a whale, gave my life to the Lord, uh, 
ended up leaving my education teaching career, as you know, became a youth director at the church and uh, did that for a few years and went back into teaching. If I pause you right there in the story, I, I do want to, you know, rewind just a little bit. And okay. what did you go to college for and what was your intent? Did you really had, have a plan no or? Were... <laughs> Seriously, I had no clue. I was, I was, I was a, in the fraternity, president of the fraternity. I played college basketball at a small college. I got to my junior, second semester, junior year of college, and um, they sit down to start planning your graduation, right? What are you going to do? And I hadn't even thought about it. And they said, hey, what's your major going to be? You got to pick a major before you graduate. It's not like these days, okay? It was like I had two required classes that I had to take in my four years of liberal arts education, small liberal arts school. And they said, hey, what's your major? You got to pick a major because you're going to graduate in the next year. And we got to get all that lined out. And I was like, well, I don't know. Let's count my credits and see what I've got the most credits in. And I found out I had the most credits in education and psychology. So I actually double majored. Yeah, I'm a brainiac. (laughs) Double majored in four years. I have a degree in psychology and a degree in education. I had no clue what I wanted to do with it. I had no career path. I knew I was going to work for the fraternity and keep being a college guy for a while. And then I ran into this lady, this girl, (laughs) and she changed all of that. And so when I was coming to Texas, I was like, what am I going to do down there? Right. I left the fraternity and I said, well, I've got a degree in education. I could be a teacher. And I come to find out that Texas was recruiting all over the country for teachers. And I came to find out that my wife, my then girlfriend or then just acquaintance and her father were very connected to the community. I received in the mail without requesting it two packets on two different school districts and the job positions that were open. My wife and her father had talked to the superintendents of the schools and said, we know this guy who's looking to teach. He lives in in Illinois or Indiana. Do you guys have any positions and how can we get him down here? I had no clue this was going on. I get these packets in, in, at work. I open them up and there's applications to be an educator, a teacher in Pasadena, Texas, Clear Lake, Texas, and uh, what was the third district? So it was Clear Creek, Pasadena, and Pearland. And so, and so I just started filling out applications, got a phone call a week later for an on-phone interview. And 10 days later, I was offered a job as a teacher in, in Clear Creek, Texas at Landolt Elementary School. I was being played the whole way. I just want you to know this. If my wife watches this or listens to this, she can't deny it. I'm telling you. And you may interview her at some point because I know she's a, she's a professional. You can ask her this question. She will tell you the story. Well, what is meant to be will be. And I think that just highlights the power of network, right? Like, you know, your father-in-law was embedded in the community. He had a lot of connections and he also had experience in foresight um, to see, you know, what you might need that you didn't know you needed. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, it was really for me, I was very strong-willed, very independent, um, self-reliant, uh, my world revolved around me because of growing up. And so those things were already there, but on, that was on the outside. On the inside, extremely insecure, extremely um, fearful. Uh, and I overcompensated externally. So that's why I was the president of things and the leader of things. And I stood out, but I was a runner. I, I literally was a runner. So things would be going good. I'd be doing well. I'd build this program or build something or lead something. And right when it got to be where everyone was like, man, this is really good. We want you to do this next thing or the promotion or the accolades started coming. I would find a really good way to say, hey, it's time for me to move, to leave, to go, to run. Because I would have, I was afraid I was going to get found out that I was a fraud 
and really wasn't the person I had projected to be because inside I didn't feel that way. And I, and I really think that's a lot of what we see in all of us today is this challenge of identity, challenge of confidence of who we are, um, what our mission, our purpose, our vision, our values are. We just are out there just wandering, right? And just chasing everything and not really chasing anything, right? A lack of intentionality, a lack of focus. And I think that's part of all of us. Our journey is just naturally. But when inside you're scared, uh, you are, you doubt yourself, you have little self-worth or self-value, um, it manifests on the outside in a lot of different ways. For me, it was overcompensation. So I just made sure the world thought I was all of that in a bag of chips, as they say in Texas. Um, but inside I was dying. The first time I stopped running Crystal was when my, my then girlfriend, so we started living together. Her dad challenged me about my faith. I got saved and started that journey. I woke up on a Saturday morning. This is the honest to goodness truth. I'll tell you, because this is really a part of the marker of my story of who I am today. I woke up on a Saturday morning with a decision in my head. I said, I'm either going to run, I'm breaking this relationship off, or I'm going to get married. Man, that's romance, right? Any woman would want that kind of guy because that's romantic. And so I decided in that moment, I was going to propose and get married. So I went, I got up went to the mall, Baybrook Mall, wasn't, it was, it was not Baybrook Mall, it was um, Almeda Mall, went to Almeda Mall, there was a, a K Jewelers there, I went to the K Jewelers, found a ring I like, this is all right, they opened at 10, this is like 10.30, I, this is a cool ring, I have no money, so I said, well, well I'll, I'll call my bank, I called my bank, they faxed a loan paper to the jewelry store, I filled out the loan paper, waited there sitting in the courtyard of the of the jewelry store there, till the, they got the fax back approving my $5,000 loan, I got a $5,000 loan, bought the ring for like $4,500. And this was 30 some years ago. So, you know, I had top shelf ring right there. And then I was like, how am I going to get, get engaged? As I'm walking out of the mall, there's a pet store inside the mall there. And I decided she loved cats. There was a little kitten sitting there. So I bought a cat for $500. They put it in a box. I go home, put the cat in the box in the guest bathroom under the sink wrapped in a towel because I didn't want her to to know that it was there. This is now about one o'clock in the afternoon. I go and run to her dad's house. I drive her. She's up. She's walking around. She has no clue. I said, let's go to dinner tonight. She said, okay. I go to her dad's house. I had no, I don't even know why I did this. And I actually asked him if it was okay to marry his daughter. I don't know where that came from. I didn't have that experience. It was a single mom. There was no dad growing up, but I, I went and asked him and he, he gave me a hard time, said, yes, I come back. I'm going to fast forward this thing. We go out to dinner. I proceed to make her so mad at me at dinner. I didn't mean to, but I was so nervous. She was on the drive home. She'd tell you this on the drive home. She's in her head going, I'm done with this guy. I, I can't do this anymore. So she was in her mind making up that this is, this is it. I can't, we didn't talk the whole way home. We get back to the house. She's sitting on the couch. I'm freaking out inside, just dying. Like, okay, I just got to do this. That cat has been sitting under the sink in a box wrapped in a towel for seven hours. It was still alive. (laughs) I grabbed the cat. I put the ring on its neck. I go out there where she's sitting on the couch. I kneel down, give her the cat. She starts crying. And I said, well, you got to look at the collar. And so she looks at the collar and there's the ring. And I asked her to marry him. And she said, yes, but that was the first time I decided I'm going to stick. I'm not going to run. That was a pivoting point in my life. Really a change for me. And I would like to pause and really think about that because that brought up an interesting dynamic that I think we see 
when people, you know, are trying to fight against what's been their nature or trying to get unstuck or make big decisions where there's fear involved. This was an example of you didn't think about it. You just did it, right? You just woke up, this thought crossed your mind that it's going to be X or it's going to be Y and I'm just going to do Y. And I didn't, you didn't put a lot of thought into it. It wasn't something that was kind of like premeditated, it was spontaneous. What do you see, you know, is the value in not overthinking it versus thinking through decisions? Well, I think that's a, it's a really great question. The, you know, there's a fine line, right? Because we've been given a mind and the ability to think and process and reason and, and debate in our heads. There's, there's power in our intellect and our ability to think through, to reason, um, to diagnose or dissect things intellectually. But there's a fine line between crossing the lines where we lead ourselves to paralysis because of too many thoughts and just acting. So I think that's one thing that we've got to be careful with is with overthinking. Some personalities, um, I do a lot of disc certification and training. Some personalities are, are much more wired to where the analytical side of their mind is always working. They're less relational and feeling. They're more tactical um, and intellectual. And that's natural. We can't get outside of that. But here's, here's the challenge with our thoughts. And this is a lot of the work that I do with people is our thoughts are, so let's, let me take it one step past a thought. Those thoughts lead to behaviors. Those behaviors lead to outcomes. I was living a life with outcomes. I was living a life with certain behaviors that resulted in certain um, fruit or actions, results from my behaviors. Those behaviors that I was getting and that running, I told you I was a runner. Well, I didn't, I wouldn't have defined it back then. I didn't know it. But I, as I look back and reflected, I was running all the time before. That was a mindset, a belief that I had about myself. My behavior said run before you get found out. The fruit was never finishing what I started, never really completing, never having long-term relationships, never really making commitments. And I didn't, you don't know that at a time, right? I'm looking back on this and realizing there is a pattern that happened, right? And so here's what it is. We had the outcomes we get are a result of the beliefs that we have. The beliefs that we have are a result of the, um, the thoughts, the, so we have beliefs, beliefs, beliefs come from, uh, experiences, right. Um, from feelings, from emotions. So I have an experience in my life growing up. I had no father, um, no birth father growing up. He'd left early. It was just me and my mom. My uncle was raising me. My uncle was a hippie. So this is early seventies. I was born in in mid sixties. Um, so that lifestyle that was around him was very challenging. Good man. My mom loved me. A lot of people in and outside of our home. Um, everyone else around me had two parents. They were all doing their thing. I didn't have it. So I made up stories to try to fit in, to try to, you know, oh my, I I told the story that my dad was in the military in Vietnam and was killed. Not true. Didn't know anything about him, but I needed to say something because my family situation looked very different from all the neighbors. And so there was this self-confidence thing in me that was just getting eaten away of. So I had to put on a front from an early age. I'm okay. I have it together. I am, I'm good. I can do this. I can do that. And I was a latchkey kid. My mom worked long hours. So I came home, was home by myself, had to make my own dinner and, and, and take care of my own stuff. And it was just how my life looked. So that experience created a belief right? That manifests as I grew up into behaviors. Those behaviors bore fruit, 
not all fruit is good, right? I didn't realize that. And so this process that I'm discovering when I talk about overthinking, right? All of our thoughts come from a belief. A belief comes from an experience or an emotion or a feeling. If we don't like the outcomes that we're getting, I didn't like running. I did think enough about it. I thought I'm going to run or I'm going to stick. And I'm tired of running. That went through my mind. I don't want to run anymore. I don't know how to stay. I don't know what, why I run. I just don't want to do it. So I wanted a different outcome. Now here's, here's what happened. I changed the behavior. If you want a different outcome, what do we typically do? We focus on behaviors. So I tried to change a behavior. Don't run, stay. What's the best way to stay? Go get engaged. I mean, it's extreme, but, but that's my commitment. I'm going to stay. The first 10 years of our marriage were almost a living hell. Pardon my, my language. We almost didn't make it because I didn't have a changed mindset. I just changed the behavior. But every time conflict came in the marriage, relation, every time we struggled, everything that was happening, everything in me wanted to run all the time. So I still built walls and I was, I was building these protective places and I was overemphasizing things and I was pushing her away and we didn't even realize that our marriage was crumbling. I was in youth ministry at the time and no one knew that. And we went through some- And so, you know, that's, that's really, wow. I mean, that's such great information to share with the audience and really powerful. And I think that there might be a lot of people out there listening right now who are dealing with similar situations. Absolutely. They may not be able to identify what it is in their life that is causing them to not feel pure and utter and, you know, a high level of happiness yeah. and or progress to getting unstuck. So when you have lived through this and come out the other side and we'll hear, we will get to the rest of your story. Um, there are still things that I personally want to know about and that I think will bring a lot of value. But for that point in particular, how did you, can you summarize how you got beyond those behaviors, beyond that rotten fruit, so to speak, and the beliefs and able to turn your life to where you could live a life of passion and purpose that you love? Because I really do think that you are living out and, and we'll get to what you're doing now and where the rest of the journey is, but <laughs> how do you get beyond that? And, and especially at a young age and, you know, a new marriage and, and the tumultuous times that can, the stress that comes with all of that and building and growing, you know, people have all of the rest of life and problems to deal with besides, you know, just focusing on themselves and then focusing on the relationship, which can be, you know, a huge component to satisfaction in life. So how, how did you get there? I mean, what tips and uh, you yeah. know, resources do you have for people? That's a great question. You know, it's, it's a journey and a process, right? Because we don't realize, here's the thing. We don't realize we're living that way until something happens, something shakes us up. We live with these mindsets or beliefs that are limiting us, that are causing the outcomes, the behaviors that we're in that we don't like for so long that we start calling them normal. And when we start calling these things normal, we don't realize that there's something else. I've done a lot of work counseling with, with women who've been in battered relationships. And you might have heard these stories or people have talked to them. And, and you, you think, why do they keep going back to that battered relationship? They, they come in, they get away, they get free. And I can look at them and say, man, just stop these choices. Make these choices. It'll all be okay. And then they end up oftentimes for a while, they cycle back because that's all they've known. Because to them, that's normal. That looks like love. 
It sounds like love. It feels like love, but that love is distorted. It's not love, but it's all they've known. It's the only grid they could lay upon it. So it becomes truth to them and it becomes normal. It's hard to break out of normal when you don't see what the other side looks like or never experienced it. Right. And that I think is that that's that wall. And I always, uh, I always have running analogies because I've run so many marathons and I just, Mm -hmm. (laughs) everything in life can be analogized with running. And that's the wall that you hit in running a marathon. You hit like a literal physical wall where there's nothing left in your body to give. And how do you get beyond that? And that's what I'm hearing you say is that there is this wall of unknown, right? The people, you can see it because you've gotten beyond it. You have seen how you've morphed beliefs that you thought were true and real into new beliefs and gotten beyond that. And so you can counsel people, you can talk to people about it, but what do people really need to do to bring themselves to that point? Yeah, You know, because when you don't know it's unknown, it's why some people struggle with God. Like, how do you, you don't, can't see it. You can't feel it. How do you know it's there? How do you know that I can change my life? How, you know, especially when it's a negative mind space and a negative situation. So, you know, what can people do? I mean, really? So things like this. So so you've got to come first to the place where you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, where you run into this place where you decide to go get help. So that's the first thing. You've got to recognize somewhere. I'm tired of it. Like where I got to that point, I don't want to run anymore. I don't know why I run. I don't know what to do. I'm not going to run. I'm going to do this. So I did that for a while. I stuck. I, I went through, but I was still running. Right. And so I was still, eventually we would have not made so it. So you say, if I can jump yeah, yeah. in there. So you're saying you change your situation, which could be like a person that's unhappy goes and gets a new job thinking I'm going to magically be happy. You changed the situation as in you didn't run. You got married. I got into the core belief of why I ran. So I was still running, even though I wasn't running the way I used to. But what happens slowly, and this is where things like this podcast, things you listen to, things you read, people you surround yourself with, it was all about, I had not really seen myself with much value or worth. When I got saved, so I'm a person of faith. I know not everybody is. We all have a higher power thing that we think about or something that that motivates us beyond ourselves, or at least we should. But once I gave my life to a position of faith and I started surrounding myself with people, with solid, good people of faith who lived their faith, they just didn't speak it. They started speaking life over me. They started saying things and loving on me and blessing me and encouraging me in ways I had not experienced. So they were challenging my mindset. I would appreciate it. Oh, Rick, you're amazing. We love you. You have so much value. You're created for more. There's this destiny in you that I see. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And inside I'm like wrestling. No, that's not really true. But they were shaking up my insides by challenging me, not knowing they were challenging me. So my mindset was getting getting tossed around, right? And the more I was around those people, the more I heard that, the more I started surrounding myself with with things that were speaking life over me instead of death, the more I had to then wrestle with this belief system, go, well, is it really true? It doesn't feel true anymore, right? And so now I, I was able to face and go, I don't think it's true. I think, and here's my belief, it's the foundation of my ministry. I believe, because I've experienced it, that we were all created for more. You've heard me talk about it, not more money stuff, but more influence and impact of future and a hope that comes from scripture. So if I have that as a fundamental belief, then when I look at you, Crystal, in my coaching practice or wherever else I go, 
I know Crystal was created for more. I know there's more value in her, more worth in her, more future in her, more greatness in her that she doesn't even know that's hers. And how do I help her discover it and then walk it out? So when we, so if you're listening and watching this podcast, and maybe you're one on the other side, you live in the personal growth world, you're feeling strong and good. What can you do? Go speak life over people, a generation, someone, declare life over them, speak destiny, um, encouragement, and then listen to them and see them and the greatness that's inside of them, not the pain that's on the outside that's being worked out that we don't like. For those that are hurting and don't know where to go and you feel like you're hitting that wall, it's all about what you surround yourself with, the people you allow to speak into your life. I don't know if it's Jim Rome or it, one of those guys that said, you know, we, we become like the five people we hang around. What I've learned, it's much more than five, but it's very true, right? And so if you want to change your outcomes, you can't simply change your behaviors. You have to change them, but that's not the first. You've got to be willing. And this is what I would tell everyone in here. If you're wrestling with this, where do I start? You've got to be willing to examine the beliefs that drive your behaviors. And you've got to ask yourself a question. Is the belief behind this behavior? Because every behavior we do because we believe something. We believe something about that thing. So we act in a certain way. Is that belief I have about this behavior I'm engaging in, is it based on a truth or a lie? Where does it come from? I'm not talking about psychoanalysis and getting on the couch and doing, I'm just talking about real honest self-assessment questions. Where's that belief come from that says that told me I wasn't worth anything, that I had no value, that caused this child to stay inside of me being afraid and limiting my potential this whole life and building this front? Where'd that belief come from? And so I searched that belief. I said, well, came from my environment, from the circumstances, from things I didn't control. Not that anything necessarily was done. I did have a, an experience early on, maybe for another story that shifted some of my belief about how I saw women and engaged with that. And I had to overcome that, but it drove behaviors that were self-destructive. I didn't want the behavior. So what did I do? I changed my, I didn't like the, the outcome. So I changed my behavior, which was running. But I, till I changed my belief, my marriage was still shaky and on, on the edge. When I started changing my belief about myself and my marriage and my future, then my marriage started to take a solid foundation. Everything began to shift when the belief changed. But it wasn't until I started wrestling with a belief that I could actually see a sustained transformative change. And I know one of the things that we've talked about a lot um, is, you know, the power of words. Yeah. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but from what you're saying and what we've talked about um, otherwise, you know, it sounds like you have a strong belief that, you know, the power of what you say about yourself and about the people and your circumstances can also dictate yeah. strongly how you feel about life. Yeah. You know, if you are continually telling yourself negative things about yourself, negative things about your circumstances, um, you're obviously going to feel more negative and that's going to drive more destructive behavior yeah. or keep you from breaking out of the pattern. And so, um, you know, where, what do you yeah. think about, I don't know what you want to call them. Everybody calls it something different, but you know, the power of affirmations, you know, I think it's great if people can talk to somebody, if they are able to have a coach or a therapist or other, a mentor, somebody to talk to, but that, you know, that's why I wanted to bring, um, yeah. you know, this, this podcast to life is to share, you know, um, avenues and mentorship and resources with people, um, to help them get stuck and find their happiness and their person purpose and their passion. Um, yeah. so do you good. think that, you know, in addition to listening to uh, educational growth oriented 
motivational podcasts, but, you know, practices of daily affirmations or journaling or other, you know, things that somebody really starting from zero could do today if they really were ready to make a change. Yeah, I would, I would say a couple things. One, I think everybody should have a coach. I've had one for 20 years. Um, and my life has changed because it It was the first coach I got and they called him a lot of different things back then. But that first person that began to speak into my life and call me forward, um, really is where this whole start, whole thing started for me. So finding someone who has nothing to gain from a relationship with you, who's willing to speak the truth, but you've got to be willing to receive it. So you've got to choose to be teachable. The other thing is, is we don't realize that we hold certain beliefs and say certain things of ourselves. So I would say, start paying attention to the words that you're speaking. Listen to some of the things that you're saying, because you'll find yourself speaking negative over your life. I can't, I never, it always ends like this. There's a list of 25 or 30 words or statements that, that we can find ourselves saying that are basically saying about ourselves, we can't achieve, we we'll never do. We're not valuable. We have no worth. And we say these so often that we don't even realize we say them. So the first thing is pay attention to the things that you're saying about yourself. Well, I can't do that. I've tried that a thousand times and it just never works, right? So when you pay attention to the words you're saying, those statements, words have power. I say this all the time. And a friend of mine said it, um, that I grabbed it from him. He said, I'm co- we're committed to the things we confess. So there's the thoughts in our head that kill us that no one knows about that we've got to be careful of. So it starts there, but also the words we declare, the things we say over our lives, they limit ourselves. They put these limiting beliefs because what we do, Crystals, we allow the past experiences of our life, the good and the bad, to become the lenses by which we view our future. They become the lenses by which we see our possibility. And think about it. If, if, the, the lenses you're viewing your future with are scratched and, and foggy and, and damaged. What do you think your future looks like? Right? It doesn't, you don't see a real future. You're looking at it through scratched lenses. And so you've got to be willing to take your glasses off. We all wear lenses of how we view our future based on the experiences of our past. If we take them off, begin to clean them, what does cleaning them look like? Examining the things we say, the things we do, the beliefs we have looking at the outcomes we're getting and saying, you know, why do I always seem to hit this wall? I never get past. Examine that. Look at that. It's typically from a belief because everything you need for your greatness is already inside of you. It's there. It was given to you in your creativeness. The question is, how do we help people discover it, tap into it and get it out, then walk, excuse me, walk it out. So, so those would be some foundational things that I would, I would say is we've got to be willing to self-examine, listen to our self-talk, uh, and then ask ourselves hard questions about those beliefs and where they came from. And as you identify a belief, you've got to replace it. You got to reject it. You got to, in, in the faith world, we have to repent of it, at, seek forgiveness from it, and then replace the, the lie with a truth. The thing is about these truths is Here's the thing, Chris, we never ended up where we are overnight. All my dysfunction that I had at 25, 28, 30 years old that my wife and I were experiences didn't happen then. They happened through 28, 29, 30 years of life and things happening. We think just because we've identified the limiting belief, we should be healthy and whole overnight. Yeah, no, and and I'll share with everybody today, one of the ones that I am continually working on and it's really one of my foundational um, beliefs shifts that I'm looking to achieve in 2023 is that, um, my hyperbolic nature, anger, uh, you know, 
um, animated way about me, whatever you want to call it, that that my belief was that that was just part of who I was. That's the way I was made. And I am working to change that and believe that I am made to be calm and, and, and going into my faith as well. You know, scripture says that we need to be the peace that we want to see in the world. And I truly believe, um, that while I have not lived into that and that has not been my nature, that I can change that this year. Um, but I had to accept, I really did have to accept that, um, you know, getting too hot, getting too loud, um, yelling was not normal for everybody. Um, and it didn't (laughs) work for everybody. I didn't know that it wasn't normal, um, or that it could bother people and sit with people in the way that it did because it didn't really bother me. Um, and I just decided I don't want to continue on in that way. Um, but I have to continually work on talking about that. And, and like you said, yeah. you can't just magically change who you are. You can't just wave a wand and say, you know, I am X and now I'm Y. Or I don't want to be here. Now I want to be in this ivory tower. Yeah. Um, you have to replace it with something and work towards that. Um, good. And, yeah, you're right. and it, it, it's not easy. Um, and I, you've seen, I've had some struggles with that. Um, but it's the willingness to struggle, right? What's the key thing? I would tell everyone, if you're all going to struggle, here's the deal. Struggle well, struggle well, you're going to struggle. Don't avoid struggle. Don't, you can't avoid failure. You can't avoid the gut punches. There's certain things you can't control. Our, we're not defined by the things that happen to us. This is not from me. A lot of people say we're defined more by how we respond to the things that happen to us. Everyone can change, but it starts with a belief that you can change and you don't have to be perfect to begin to make that change. It's that's where it happens. Right. And so that's, I don't, really I don't have it in front of me, but I was going to pull it up. You know, I'm, I'm reading the obstacle is the way, and that's kind of the foundation of the Stoics philosophy and belief about it is that, um, the obstacles are what you learn and grow from. Um, having an easy journey is not where you grow or become better or become the person that you are supposed to be. Um, and, and I'm, I'm probably going to get the quote wrong because I'm not good at just <laughs> firing off quotes. So you may be able to correct me, but there was something, uh, you know, that this life is great, but nobody guaranteed that it would be easy, Right. you know, that you're going to have struggles. Um, well, that's and that's scripture. just part of life. Scripture says in this world, you will face persecution and struggle. To think we won't is is a myth. It's a fallacy that leads us only into despair. There, there will be challenges. We all have a story to tell, right? But our story, the key is your current reality is not the end of your story. I would want every listener to hear that. Wherever you are, no matter how successful or how challenged you are, in the moment you're sitting in right now listening to this, it's not the end of your story. Your story tomorrow hasn't been written yet. And you get to be the author and star of that story, but it all depends on you. You get to make the choices. We try to spend so much energy and time and emotion, relationship and resource on things we can't control. When the reality is, and we know this intellectually, the only thing we can control is ourselves, our emotions, our attitudes and our actions. But we've created, and I want to be careful on this one, we've created this place that says it's okay to live an offended life. 
And I'm going to challenge everybody. And this, some people may not like what I'm about to say. No one can offend you. It's impossible. You choose to be offended by what people do around you. Listen, there's a lot of, and I'll say this, not smart people out there that do not so nice things. There's a lot of those people out there and we can't control them or stop them. And sometimes they do not so nice things to us that we, as a young age, we had no control over, couldn't stop. We were the victims of things and we can be a victim in a moment, but we must choose not to live the life of a victim. And that's really hard. And that's where a lot of us find ourselves. And to that point, you know, what do they, what do they teach you if, if, if you're getting overtaken in the ocean by a wave? What do they teach you? Do you know? Yeah. Don't, don't fight against it. Right. 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 Relax into it because the struggle and the issue and the pain is going to be there. And to survive, you have to relax into it. And if we could all do that in life, wow, where would we be? Yeah. Our nature is to put our feet down and grab control, right? But we're not going to control the wave or the ocean. But it's scary because this is what we're all after. It's scary to feel that we're not in control. But the truth is sometimes when we are least in control is when we are most in control because that's the going through. A lot of times we get stuck going to things. We're stuck in it. Our goal and what we're called to is to go through it, right? You can't go over, under, around it. You got to go through to go up. It's the only way. But we think, well, that's more pain. I don't want to remember those. And it's in the past. I don't want to bring it up. I said, well, that past is still being carried with you into your future. And until you deal with that and cut it off, you're going to continue to carry that weight and settle for less than you were created for. I, I believe that we were born limitless. I, I really, really do. That's the that's the book that I'm writing is understanding we were born limitless. And it's about discovering and walking in the more that you were created for. But we think because I was born a single mom who had two abortions before me, one child for adoption, and then she kept me in 1965. She did that because the other three children before me, because the guy she was with said, it's either me or them. And she chose him. She finally chose me and he left. And so we were homeless on the streets for two months in California because she couldn't come home in 1965 to a family unwed with a child. It just wasn't what you did. And and what, you know, what I'm sure you felt as a child and growing up was all that was missing in that. And do you know what, Rick, that I just heard? All that I heard in that story was she chose you. She chose you. Yeah. And God gave her to God gave her you. And, you know, I think that is where leaning into whatever your faith is um, when the times are hard. And being able to shift that focus from a negative mindset to the positive mindset and seeing the positivity. Because every struggle, there is something to learn. There is something powerful to gain from that. And I mean, I can feel, yeah. I, I I just know what that would feel like. I have an adopted cousin and, you know, have been around some of the struggles that he had coming to terms with being yeah. given up for adoption. Um, so I can completely yeah. empathize and feel, but when you say that story, that is what I hear that right. she chose you. And that is so beautiful and so powerful and so positive. And sometimes, you know, in life, it's just trying to find a way to make those shifts in your mindset yeah. to go from the negative mindset to the positive mindset to see the glass half full instead of it half empty. Yeah. 
And it all begins with that mindset of, of willing to look at that in a new way. For everyone that's out there struggling, the first step is your willingness to look at your life in a fresh perspective, to challenge your current reality. You may end up right back where you are. You may decide it's not worth it. You don't want to go. You're not going to, okay, but but give yourself a chance. And how do you give yourself a chance? You challenge, challenge your current reality. If you're not satisfied, why are you sitting where you're sitting? What's the beliefs that's holding you back, right? Because our, our potential, our future isn't dependent upon you know, our, our past or our experiences, we get to write that, we get to engage that. And, and it is about being chosen, but what about the person who says, well, no one ever chose me. What I would tell you is you may not know it, but, but I believe there's a creator that's always chosen you. And that's what I discovered when I came to faith is I, I didn't realize that, but I realized, no, I was created with purpose and hope and future in mind. I wasn't an accident. That's what I believed. That was an accident. I was a mistake. I should never should have happened. But I found that it's not true. I was not an accident. And and so I had to first make a choice for myself. That first choice without faith was a choice. I chose me. I chose something better. I chose something. I said, I'm going to make a choice for myself. I didn't have it connected to anything else at the time because I didn't know anything else. I just knew I couldn't stay where I'm at. And that's the first thing everyone that's listening has to decide. And you may be really successful in one area of your life and the other area just keep hitting the wall. You're meant holistically to be successful, but success doesn't mean stuff and money. It means influence and impact. It's, oh God, I'm going to tell you another thing. Here's the other thing for people. I do this with all my coaching. It's so critical that we create a vision over our lives. What's your vision statement for your life? I help people work through that because it's not about who I want to, what I want to do in my life, but our vision statements, who we want to be in our lives. It's our legacy that we leave. When we can tap into that crystal, when people can begin to have a vision for their life that's beyond themselves, everything starts to change. Because when we begin to live in such a way to execute that vision, to see that accomplished. Can you share what yours is? Do you mind? No, I love to. In fact, it's on my screen, right? right? So on my screensaver, and I put it up everywhere. And so I, I, I have this in front of me all the time. My vision or my purpose of my life is to glorify God and inspire growth in others. Now I can unpack that, but that's, that's what drives me. I want, so if the way I look at this and the way I encourage people to do this, it's almost like a eulogy. If someone were to ask my children, man, I heard about your dad. He was such a cool guy. Everybody said he was really cool, really neat, man. Tell me about your dad or, or someone asked Crystal 20 years from, man, I heard you, you, you and Rick were, you know, got coached together, did some work together. I heard he was a good dude. Tell me about him. What I would hope that person would say in their own words, man, Rick loved Jesus. Man, he always glorified God. God was central in his life. But man, I always left better. He always helped me see something in myself I couldn't see. He helped me grow. He helped me believe. He helped me strive too. I don't care how they put it. I want them to say, I'm a better person because of the time that I spent with him. And, and I know that he was a believer. Whether they believe or not, it's not pressing that on them, but that's what I want my life to say. If I can accomplish that, if that's what's talked about me, then I've lived a valuable life, a worthy life. I've succeeded in my life, regardless of the money and the resources and the, the things that I build that won't last. It's the ripple, the pebble, right? It's the ripple. I want my life to ripple. It's a legacy. Every one of us needs a vision like that, something greater than ourselves. And when we grab that vision and it, it, we, it means something to us, we now have a foundation to stand upon. How long has that been your vision? 
So it has been in that format probably the last five years, but as in in total, it's probably been my vision without me being able to speak it for almost 20 years. But then going through coaching and going through people in my life who helped me refine it and really pressed me on what is your purpose in life? And I kept thinking my purpose was about what I was going to do, right? And, and that's totally different, right? My purpose is about who I'm going to be, the character of the man I choose to be, right? Then there is what I'm going to do. And, and my, my doing comes from my being. We've got, so many have got it reversed. We're, we're being is, is based out of what we do. Our being, our value comes from what we do. And so if we're not doing something, our value diminishes, if we're not doing the right thing, our value diminishes. My value is not based on anything I do. It's based on who I am, how I was wired and created, and what I desire um, in that relationship for me with my faith. All my doing comes through that grid. And do you, you know, do you see that people often change their vision, or is it just that they're refining it and they haven't found? discovered what their true vision is. I think it's, I think it is something that he matures and evolves, but doesn't necessarily change in its core. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about mine mm-hmm. and now that you're saying that, and I'm going to struggle Come not on, to get teary here don't make me pull because it out. well, I don't need it in front of me. I, you told me to memorize it and I memorized it, but it's just when I think about where it's come from, it, it you know, I didn't have the words for it before, but it was always what I always wanted. And uh, so mine is to impact and inspire people by helping them live, love, and grow. Um, but and so if, I'm going to ask, so, so when we were coaching and when we would talk, what would I always say? I'd always pull you back to your vision, all your work things, the things you were doing, things you're building. You're an amazing builder. You have vision, passion. You're driven to execute and accomplish things. That's a huge gift. This podcast, I've watched you go from idea to fear, to faith, to now we're having this interview, right? And this is going to blow up like you desire because that's who you are. But watching you create that vision, every time you ran into a wall or you ran into, I don't know if I should do this, or I don't like this, or I'm struggling with this relationship or whatever it is, where did I take you back to? The vision. Your vision. Everything comes back to that place. How does this thing you're deciding on with this career or job or relationship align with the vision you have of your life? If it doesn't align, you can still do it, but don't expect it to be successful or fulfilling. Everything needs to come back in alignment with that. Is what I'm doing today glorifying God and inspiring growth in others? Yes, it is. Okay. And if someone asks me to come do something or they want me to be a part of their team or and I have to go through the lens... Is this thing that I, they're asking me to do, which may have great financial reward, may be amazing. Will that help me? And can I glorify God in that? And will it inspire growth in the people that I work with? If the answer is no, nine times out of 10, I am going to say thank you, but that's not something I can do right now. Because it's not, I, I still could, but then it's going to take away energy and passion and and vision from something that is living my vision. Don't we all want to live in that place? Definitely. I mean, like I said, thinking back on my vision and what I have been able to verbalize and 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 cement and write on my heart and my spirit and my soul and looking back 20 years or so and what I wanted to do and it was I wanted to help people. You know, I I think about what was the most wonderful 
um, memories. And I think you were there on one of the mission trips that we did to St. Louis. And I just remember mm-hmm. how amazing and how free and how wonderful it felt to be running up and down somebody's roof, re-roofing a 98-year-old lady's house um, because I wanted to help other people. I didn't know how that could shift and shape into yeah. a career. And certainly career guidance counselors don't really talk to you about all those kind of things. <laughs> Uh, but that was always, you know, on my heart and on my mind about what I wanted to do in my life. Um, and so you, you touch on something that's really important is that when we're going through, you know, we have to think about our vision and that should shape, um, and that'll help us live into, uh, creating a life that is purpose and passion filled. But sometimes along that route, um, you know, we get stuck. We are not in a good place. We know that our purpose and passion is somewhere else and we want to make a momentous shift in what we're doing, but the financial safety net there, how do you have the faith and the courage to make that? If you're a single mom, if (laughs) you're um, a sole provider, um, if you know, you have all these financial resources and, and, and responsibilities, and how do you let go of that? You know, I'm thinking of, you know, a professional woman who wants to get yep. out of being a doctor, a lawyer, or a CPA or something else and, and has a passion for something totally different, but they can't give up that, you know, very lucrative six figure or, um, you know, uh, somebody that's just an assistant at a company, but wants to start a business or a side hustle on their own, but they can't you know, they're having all of that internal conflict to follow the passion because of the fear of money. Yeah. You know, Crystal, it's the best example I have is my mom. I was raised by a single mom. She had to work all the time to provide for us. We were homeless for the first several months of my life. Then she had to humble herself to come home to a place she knew would be challenging to be welcomed because of the time frame, right? And so my mom never fully had a lot materially, but she was self-made. She made choices and steps along the way. I think the 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 thing that keeps anyone, and I'm going to say this towards women because I have a huge respect, especially for single moms who who are just working hard and trying to get through and it just seems so overwhelming. It's hard to see anything outside of it, right? There is so much strength. And and I in most of my best relationship, my strongest relationships are with women because I was raised by my mom and my gram. And there was always women around me. And they were the ones that instilled this this drive to to serve and to love and to have compassion and just you just keep doing. You do what you have to do. But it starts by a simple step. I don't care where anyone is. Whatever you're doing, you have to be willing to believe that you can do something else. It begins with a mindset. You know what? I don't know how to get to that. I would love to start my own business. I would love to get out of the grind of this eight to five and do this, or I would love to be my own boss, or I would love whatever it is. It starts with a simple belief. Don't just say, I would love to do it, but I'm going to do it. I can do it. I will do this. I am going to. You begin to change the language you speak. The more you begin to declare it as it is, even when it's not, the more you're subconscious. So here's the thing. 97% of everything we do is subconscious. We don't think about it. 
3% is the conscious of where we live and do, but most everything is from our subconscious mind. And so we have these beliefs that are in our subconscious that have driven these ruts in our brain, these neural pathways, right? That we have believed so long. We've got to shake that tire. It's like the old wagon wheel and going across the West when it was stuck in these, the roads were these ruts that the wheels stayed in to keep them on track to get, to get out of that. You had to shake that thing and get it out to jump out of that rut. How do you do that? You start believing that you can. You don't have to jump. How do you, how do you get across the Grand Canyon? You can't take one step. You've got to take one, one step. Build that first step. Start that first process. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, that I think is who we are speaking to and who, you know, I really want to reach because I, you know, I feel passionate about people getting to a place in their journey that makes the most sense for them, that will lead them to their purpose, their passion, to living out their vision um, and helping people find practical ways and practical wisdoms and inspiration in other people's story to, to get there. Um, and, you know, I have a few more questions that I want to talk about while we're here. Um, but I know we're going to run out of time and we're going to have to get you back on uh, no or the next time to go through and actually talk about, you know, because I, I, th I still think that your business story, your journey into work efforts and all that you did and um, kind of the entrepreneurial spirit of where you went and how you shifted and pivoted. Um, I think there's so much value in that for people to hear and understand because yeah. one, I really think that um, just because it, it, you started it doesn't mean you need to completely finish or see something through to the end of your life. Um, if it's no longer serving you, you need to let it go. Um, and having the courage to pivot, having the courage to take a chance, to take a risk, um, all of those things, and then how that grounds into faith that um, if it is your purpose and you're, and you're meant to do that, um, and that is what your uh, service to the world is, that it will be successful. Yeah. Um, it may not be how you, how you initially thought of it as being successful, but I think there's really value in talking about all of those things uh, with people, uh, who may, you know, be looking to make a change. Yeah. Um, but that will take another hour, I think. Uh, so, <laughs> well, so let me say this real quick. We started, we started with a question you asked about, do we overthink things, right? We go way back to when we first, you said, you know, what's this overthinking caught in our minds? Here's the truth. Like just to close what I was just talking about, we, we can overthink things and until we get paralysis and we don't step. My encouragement would to be, is take one simple step. Doesn't matter how big it is. Drag, shuffle. Just take a baby step. Shuffle towards something, right? Don't. The more we think about it, the more we chase rabbits that lead us down holes that don't lead to our success and what we desire. What is that one step today that your people, that your listeners are listening to? What's one step you could take towards a desire, a goal, a dream, a passion that you have, a hope? Doesn't matter. Don't make it a huge step. It might just be a shift in mindset. It might be someone you go and talk to. It might be something you're going to read. It might be a declaration you're going to start making. Don't overthink this. Take one step towards that thing that you desire. And don't worry about how big it is. The, the hardest step is the first step. Absolutely. It is. And that is wisdom that we can live by and it's the step-by-step -step climbing the mountain, one foot in front of another, rising up above, 
The other thing that I did want to circle back to before we left for today was uh, talking about coaching and belief that everybody should have coaching. Can you help us clarify the difference between coaching and therapy? Therapy involves a couch, psychoanalysis, and digging into a lot of the past um, and the emotion, the feeling. I think there's a place for therapy, right? It's, It's vital that we understand there are certain things that we need help from professionals to help us process traumas in our life. Coaching can go a long way. So I did a lot of counseling. I have a degree in training in counseling. When I was in ministry, I did a lot of counseling. And I realized along the way that the counseling was good, but I wasn't seeing a lot of transformation or true change in people until I started coaching. When I started coaching people, I started seeing a true growth and change, a passion and desire, because what I believe in coaching and what coaching is all about is believing that everything you need is already inside of you. You have it in your createdness. The problem is it's buried. It's it's covered up by traumas or brokenness or beliefs or things. And so you need someone that's going to know how to ask you the right questions. Coaching isn't about telling. Coaching isn't about my opinion. Coaching isn't about... Um, you know, me having to know everything you do. I don't know anything about your business except what you've told me, Crystal, right? I don't need to know your business to coach you. What I need to know is what I believe about what's inside of you. Because if you build your confidence, your faith, your vision, your understanding of you, your identity, as you strengthen that, it doesn't matter what you go do. You'll do it with success. We can talk about strategies to get there and how you might think through it, but you already know those things. We've got to get the limiting beliefs out of the way to free you up, to think through those things and pull on that resource that's already within you. So coaching is about speaking life into what's in you and calling it out, not teaching you, telling you. Um, it's not mentoring. It's not consulting. It's not um, therapy. I, I truly believe it's one of the most powerful things we can do. If you've got a good coach who knows how to ask the right questions, um, you can really make some amazing progress in your life. Well, and it's the same thing I say is the differentiator in business. In business, when you're working with a lawyer, you're working with a consultant, you're Mm -hmm. working on developing a new product or uh, whatever the case may be, the most powerful differentiator that people bring to the table, in my opinion, is the ability to ask the right questions. And to bring up the unknown, the unseen, the something that's a layer below the next level. I mean, I really think that's why I have um, had the success in the business business world that I've had because I am able to ask the same questions. It's a little harder when you want to turn that direction on yourself. It's a little (laughs) harder to have... I mean, I think I do a pretty good job of asking myself the hard questions and, you know, trying to be open to growth. Um, if that's not you, um, and even if it is you, uh, I, I, I agree with, with R- what Rick says that, you know, having coaching can pay, make a, a tremendous help. Um, if you're feeling stuck on where you are or where your life is headed, um, and you need some help, our information, both Rick and my information will be in the, um, in the, uh, show notes and feel free to reach out to us. Um, what I help women on is a little bit different than all of the things and, and, and the vast variety of work that Rick does because he's a 
real expert on coaching, um, but both of our information will be there if you want to talk about anything like that, um, because getting around from wherever you are to where you are meant to be is so important to both of us. Well, Crystal, I would say one question I think that people need to be willing to ask is this, is is in in the coaching world, in, in this process, ask yourself the question, what if the normal I'm living in is not supposed to be my normal? What if what I'm calling normal actually isn't normal? Just think about that question. If you ask yourself that question, what if this normal life that I'm living, that I'm thinking is great success or whatever it is, what if it's not normal? Well, how do you know that? You don't know that till you start digging in and you don't even know the questions to ask. And that's where a coach comes in because a coach doesn't just ask the right questions. They listen and see the things you're saying, believing and doing and helping you recognize. So how is that statement helping you get to your objective? And you know, what statement? Well, the one that said, I've never done this before like this. How is that statement helping you? It's not. And all of a sudden the lights go off, right? And it's like, oh, okay, let me shift this conversation, this dialogue, this belief system. And, and that opens the doors to our greatest possibility. And, and I would even take it a step farther, further, uh, being somebody that's from, you know, corporate America, middle management, um, working alongside a lot of executives, working with executives, um, and, uh, running my own business now. You know, working with somebody that you feel aligned that then you learns about you and understands how you work. Um, You know, I think that coaching is a lot about focus on you and driving you. But then how that trickles over to your decision making, whether it's, you know, should I take this next job? What kind of job should I really be focused on? What is going to lead me where I need to go? How do I want to grow my business? You know, what are the right reasons? is this business no longer serving me and I want to exit this business and do something different? I think working with a coach that can have a, you know, a, a deep understanding of who you are, but also an arm's length, um, you know, because when you're in it, it's really hard to see, um, you know, a 360 yeah. degree view. And that yep. that's what's really, but, but it's also hard, you know, to have a consultant, you know, if you own a hundred million dollar company, and you have a consultant just comes in and tells you, oh, you need to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, how do you really have the comfort for that? You know, um, I think there is a place for that too, but I also really think that having a coach in those situations, um, and in fact, one of the companies I worked for had um, executive coaching that they pretty much made all of the executives yeah. be part of on a very regular basis um, for those reasons. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of good that can do Um, and you know, at the end of the day, um, work and life are so intertwined and, and so intertwined on the happiness and the, and the satisfaction that you feel for your life. So it's really, really important that, um, if you're not feeling aligned with where you are, that you feel empowered, able, and, uh, have a plan to make a change, uh, because you are made for more and you deserve more. Uh, and I know Rick wholeheartedly believes that in every fiber of his being. Listen, I want to say this. I want to bless you, right? I want everyone to know the journey that you've been on, that you you didn't just get here. I've, I've been with you for a year now in an intentional relationship of coaching. And you started by clarifying your vision and your passion, right? Then you had to go through the process of where's my current reality? Where am I in comparison to where I want to be based on this vision, these values that are important to me? And then you began to build a strategy and dream. 
What about a po- how would I how would I see this vision come into reality? What about a podcast? What about a community of people that I could call together where we could sharpen one another and share and build into each other? Those were just glimpses and thoughts. And in a year ago, they weren't even really the thought yet. It was, I know there's purpose value in something more. What is it? Watching you be willing to go through the process yourself to get to where you are today, that's the foundation to where you're going. It's been tremendous. And so I just want to say to you, thank you for being such a great example of the process that that we all need to go on of willing to self-examine and look at where we are, our current reality, set our vision, our destination, our dream, our motivation, and then build that strategy to get there. And, and that's exactly what you're doing. So well, well done. I appreciate well it. Done. And I, I, I am so thankful for you and uh, for being able to move in this direction. And uh, while it can be nerve wracking to open <laughs> yourself up, um, you know, I really believe that we're on this journey together and I want to help other people get there faster. Um, Great. There's no reason to struggle alone. Uh, there's no reason to feel that you're on an island. People have been through or are going through what you are going through. Um, it may look like my life is amazing and I am so thankful for it. And I truly do love my life, but nobody's life is perfect. Um, and to the best of my ability, I want to share what I've learned over the years in business and life and personal growth um, and help you get there faster. Thank you so much for being here, Rick, and all that you shared with us on this topic. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want people to know or that would be important to know? And then we will schedule another time to come back and talk about um, all your business endeavors, because those are so great too. (laughs) So. You know, I would just say, here's here's what I believe, and this is how I finish everything. This is what I want you to know. I believe that your best is yet to come. I truly, truly believe that's why I do what I do. And I believe that you were created for more. Not more stuff, but more influence and impact, more future, more hope. I truly believe that. And my passion is to help people identify that, release it, and walk it out. And so that that's what I would want people to know is you were created for more. Right. And how do you tap into that and walk it out? So thank you for the opportunity. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave a message if you have any questions or any information that you want, uh, topics that you want us to talk about in the future. Please let us know. Uh, You can send us an email or a message on social media. We will try to bring you all of the information that will help move you forward because I know that your destination is happiness and that can come when you get clear on your vision, own your worth and become the CEO of your own life. Thanks for listening in. If you loved what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with your friends. Tag us on social media so we can give you a big shout out. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want more, head on over to the website where you can learn all about what we do to serve and support our entire community. Until next time, keep dreaming big and getting clear. You are made for more. So start living like it today.